afternoon. Uh, I'm Steve Burkhart from San Antonio, Texas, and uh, I am going to moderate this session with uh, Dr. Gary Paling on uh, Giants and Orthopedic Sports Medicine. Dr. Paling, uh, I'm sure it needs no introduction to any of you. He certainly uh, has been a giant in the field of uh, arthroscopy and sports medicine over the years. Uh, he's a past president of ISACOS. Uh, longtime chairman at uh, Wake Forest uh, University uh, School of Medicine and Orthopedic Surgery, and was the editor-in-chief of the Arthroscopy Journal from its infancy. So uh, um, we want to uh, find out more about Gary in this interview, some things you might not know about him, some things that uh, will clarify kind of his uh, background in sports medicine and arthroscopy. Um, so Gary, can you tell me something about your early influences growing up in Wisconsin, uh, what people and events influenced you to uh, pursue a, a career in medicine? Um, thanks, Steve. Um, uh, I, I was um, the second of uh, eight children in our family, and um, my, my mother was uh, actually um, worked in, in a hospital. Uh, but my dad um, was an engineer and uh, was in the wholesale plumbing business. And um, uh, he was a great influence on me, not as much as my mom. It wasn't until I was in high school and there was, um, I went to a Catholic high school and there was a, uh, a nun that uh, made us read the medicine section of Time magazine every week. <laughs> it was that reading of that uh, magazine that really interested me, and uh, I found it very exciting. Now, nobody in my family um, was outside of the plumbing business. Everybody was in it, and so, um, but my dad was very encouraging um, to go on and explore those kinds of things. Those were the early influences uh, that I had as far as school. And he was very encouraging when I decided that, um, um, first of all, I wanted to go to college. And then second of all, I wanted to go to medical school. Um, he, there never was the, the pullback to say, you need to come back home and those kind of things. He never did that. He was always very encouraging. Okay. So uh, you went to college where? At Marquette University in Milwaukee. And um, um, I got a degree in um, biology and chemistry and uh, then went uh, to Marquette's medical school. Now, um, uh, it turns out that um, I was the last class that was uh, in Marquette's medical school because the school then uh, transitioned to the University of Wisconsin. So, so I'm the last, last class that was officially a Marquette graduate from medical school. Okay, super. Well, from, from there, how did you become interested in orthopedic surgery and then uh, arthroscopy after that? Well, I, th that really is a, a fascinating thing. I was in, in, um, the, in medical school and 
I don't know, uh, orthopedics at the time didn't have uh, the smartest guys weren't going into orthopedics, you know, so it didn't have such high esteem. So when I went in, I was going to be an internist and I just knew that was for sure. And as time went on, I was uh, in my junior year and uh, I was on anesthesia and there was a little boy who had uh, broken his tibia and um, I was, uh, I, I gave him a spinal anesthesia and I was there monitoring him and the nurse anesthetist was helping me with all of that. And I looked over the edge and they were down there with their hammer and screwdriver. And I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and from that point on, uh, it was orthopedics. And it was just that one case. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. But it, it just struck me at that time that orthopedics is really was the thing for me. Now, as far as getting interested in arthroscopy, that's another whole story. I went to uh, Duke and um, then uh, that was during the time that there was uh, the Berry Plan uh, because the Vietnam War was, uh, was going. And so I, after my uh, internship was uh, shipped off to the, um, to the military and I was sent to Japan. And um, uh, so Sandy and I were in Japan and I wrote Dr. Goldner because Dr. Goldner said, well, there'll be a place for you when you come back. So I wrote to him and I said, well, I'm in Japan. Is there anything that you would like me to bring back to you? And Dr. Goldner says, well, there's a guy by the name of Masaki Watanabe there and he has developed some arthroscopes and he has a very small arthroscope that, um, that we think would, might be very useful for hand surgery. And he was most interested in hand surgery. So I uh, went and got the arthroscope. Uh, uh, my nurse uh, spoke excellent uh, Japanese. I didn't speak much, but I met Dr. Watanabe at, uh, down at a hotel in, in uh, Tokyo. And, um, and I got the arthroscope from him. And then I brought that back to the back with me when I came back from the uh, service. And when I came back to the service, Dr. Goldner came and said, Gary, you, you brought this arthroscope back. And uh, we've had an arthroscope here for three years and nobody's been able to make it work. So I'm putting you in charge of doing arthroscopy for Duke University here. And I want you on every case, I don't care what your um, obligations are, you get off of those obligations and you'll be at every case that is done uh, uh, over at the VA hospital as well as the regular hospitals. So I got the arthroscope out and I, started with it and we had great success with it you know at first they sent us all over to the VA hospital <laughs> because they didn't want to interrupt uh, their regular thing and then we started having 
having good results with it. And, um, and they said, gosh, we want you at the regular hospital. We don't want you going over to the VA hospital, <laughs> spending your time over there. So I got to do many, many, many arthroscopes in, in uh, my residency. In addition to that, he also, the uh, big deal of some big influences as far as I was concerned, is that he was a, a good friend with, um, with Ward Cassells. And Ward Cassells had done some, uh, uh, had reported on 150 cases. And so he said, I'm sending you up to be with Ward Cassells for, um, for two weeks. And so I went up there and Dr. Cassells was really very wonderful to me. In 1973, which was while, during my first year as a, as a resident, uh, I was a first year orthopedic resident. Uh, they sent me to the first arthroscopy meeting, which was in Philadelphia and it was run by John Joyce and Ward Cassells was an assistant and Ward, it was an invitation only meeting. And uh, I was by far, like 10 or 12 years younger than anybody else that was at the meeting. But I, I got to meet uh, many, many of the leaders of um, arthroscopy at that meeting. And that was Lenny Johnson and Dick O'Connor and Ward Cassells and Bob Jackson and just a whole group of uh, people. Jim Gould was another one that was at that meeting. So at any rate, they really looked after me. And that's how I really got started in, in arthroscopy and got interested in it. In addition to that, one additional thing is that uh, Ward Cassells in 1985 um, uh, took over as the journal editor. And of course, he and I had a good relationship and we saw each other frequently. And uh, uh, that was uh, another reason that uh, I was involved with the Journal of Arthroscopy. Right. So you succeeded him as the editor in the Journal of Arthroscopy. Um, <clears throat> we'll get to that in a minute, but I just wanted to, to go back to just the fact that uh, how unusual it was at that time for Dr. Goldner as the uh, head of a major orthopedic department, Duke University, um, to embrace arthroscopy because <clears throat> there was a lot of pushback from some of the major academic orthopedic surgeons against arthroscopy in general, whether it be knee and then later shoulder. You know, we all know about Dr. Rockwood and how he called the arthroscope the instrument of the devil. Um, <laughs> yet you fully embraced it. And then your career was in academic medicine as opposed to private practice. So you seem somewhat vulnerable to push back from these leaders in academics. Did, that, did you ever feel threatened by that? Or did that uh, somehow make you have some concerns about the future of your, uh, your future career in academics? Yeah, well, you, you know, as I think you're, you hit it uh, very excellently. Um, and that uh, Dr. Goldner really was uh, unusual. Now, I will tell you that he never did an arthroscopy himself. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, or, or if he did, he, 
if he did it, he was uh, with with multiple hands on uh, <laughs> by other people for sure. And uh, but um, but he he absolutely um, supported it. And um, and as a matter of fact, uh, it came um, when when we uh, we'll talk maybe a little later about wrist arthroscopy. When we came to doing that, he participated in that and actually encouraged many people to get involved with wrist arthroscopy, which. Um, which did we we noticed uh, the the problems that the knee had, particularly the knee and the shoulder, um, uh, were as you pointed out. There was a great deal of pushback by academic uh, people, but you know I, I couldn't help but recognize uh, the good that it was doing right from the very beginning. I could see. We, we were so much better with our diagnosis. We were so much better and, and less invasive that, that it made a huge difference that I, I said, this is worth the risk. You know, it's yeah, all there's right. to it. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that I think you're way too modest about is your contributions as editor of the Arthroscopy Journal. Basically, you took it from a fledgling infant type of journal to a world-class journal with a high impact factor. And you did this during a time when at the beginning, uh, arthroscopic surgeons had trouble getting their work published in the mainstream journals. And to, to me and others, it became obvious that we needed to have our own journal so that we got fair treatment in terms of publication. And, you know, I know you, give credit to other people and you say, well, you weren't the first editor, Dr. Excels was, but I think that uh, your role in taking it to a world-class journal almost single-handedly was incredibly uh, instrumental in getting arthroscopy into the mainstream. And so I would, I would just like to ask you a couple of questions because I know how much time, you know, we were good friends and I saw how much time it took you uh, and you, you had a full-time practice, you were head of a department, you had teaching obligations, and yet you t had this other full-time job as editor of the Arthroscopy Journal. So how were you able to balance your time to devote attention to all those things? Well, uh, thank you, Steve. That, uh, that's very kind of you. Um, when when we really just started as far as the journal is concerned i, I remember the very first uh, meeting after the first year we had put out four this is when dr cassells was the head and we had put out four journals and he said well we we uh, covered chondromalacia and we covered medial meniscus we covered lateral meniscus uh, we covered a little bit of uh, loose bodies. He said, now, unless you guys are going to write some papers, we're not going to have anything to publish. <laughs> so, so um, and I just thought, I said, oh, my gosh, there is so much out there. And um, 
And of course, uh, things expanded and we started getting involved in other, other uh, joints. And um, it was about that same time that uh, we began um, uh, looking at the wrist joint and, uh, and the elbow joint as, uh, as kind of the next frontier. And I could see that there was a lot of material that was in there and there were a lot of opportunities. And, and I just saw the, um, that, there were, that, that the need for this was really great. And that just as you pointed out, the academic people and, and most of the journals were controlled by academic people were pretty much against this as this is, oh, just another one of those fly in the um, ointment kind of things that isn't going to last. And, uh, and so it was hard for people to get published. In addition to that, there were other things that were going on also around the world. And there was no access for those people either. And I recognize that, gosh, it's not only in this country, but there, there are things going on. And, and what I found is that there are many different influences. And I'm sure that you saw that same thing, that, uh, that people do things differently in different parts of the country, uh, different parts of the world because of the influences that are there. And so um, I saw the opportunity uh, was really, really great. And what I felt like um, we needed to be out there and we needed to be available to these people and uh, to make it easy for them rather than difficult for them. And uh, so uh, we did that. Now you said, now how did I balance all of that? Well, the, the first thing I had a family that would it was um, just very supportive of everything. They made it easy for me. And my wife, Sandy, and my girls um, really took care of me. And, and then I had really good support at the hospital as well. And, um, and the people that ran the things, they ran them. And uh, I, I certainly um, would uh, find out about what is going on. They would brief me and they'd say, well, this is what's going and this is the way I think we ought to handle this situation. And, um, and they just took care of things. And, and that's how it really happened. Yeah, fantastic. Now, Gary, you mentioned a few minutes ago about your involvement in the early days, um, the pioneering efforts of wrist and elbow arthroscopy. And, uh, you know, you did work on safe portals, you introduced the prone position for, for elbow arthroscopy. Uh, are there some highlights about your contributions to those fields that you could just share with us? Oh, thank you. Um, well, it was certainly uh, um, a highlight, if you would. Um, it, it was strange because it was, uh, um, it was a meeting uh, in Salzburg, Austria, uh, which actually was an early ISICOS meeting. It was before IAA and ISK were to, uh, together. Uh, and it was a combined meeting in uh, Austria. And we went to um, 
And it was May 5th, 1985. I'll never forget that date, you know. But we went to dinner and I was shocked that there were three of us, uh, Jim Roth, Terry Whipple, and myself. And we went to dinner and we started talking uh, what each of us were doing. And each of us were doing things with the rest. And uh, Jim Roth was the most advanced. He had done some clinical cases. Terry Whipple had done uh, a lot of anatomical things, but no clinical ones. And I had just started doing uh, some wrist dissections and all of that. And we said, well, you know, uh, we need to introduce this, particularly when we saw what Jim Roth was able to accomplish. And he said, oh, this is really much better than the arthrogram, which is was the best thing that we had in at, uh, at the time for uh, diagnosing wrist uh, pathology. And he said, but well, this is just way better. And um, so I said, Jim was going to write an article Terry Whipple was going to make a model and I was going to organize a meeting and but we we're all going to work together and we all decided that all at that one dinner that night and um, and you know six months later we had the first wrist arthroscopy meeting and um, uh, we had asked uh, Jim Urbanic and uh, and and Dr. Goldner well who the the top hand surgeons in the country are and we want to get them because we felt like um, with the knee problem it was the young guys that came up and said this is what was going on he said we want to introduce it to the older surgeons first mm -hmm. you know and i don't think any of the older surgeons ever did this but they allowed their younger folks to do it. And I think it, it helps some. I mean, there still was some uh, resistance, but um, I, I think it was, uh, it was a good thing in the end as I look at it. Okay, super. Um, <clears throat> Gary, I know that uh, you early on recognized the importance of international involvement. And as I mentioned, you've been president of ISACOS uh, early on, I think you were uh, the first president of Vistacoff. Uh, <clears throat> but let's talk about your international involvement dating back all the way to 1983 when you made a trip to China, when uh, China had just barely begun to open up. Can you discuss something about that trip and then your feelings about international involvement in general? Okay. Well, thank you. And yes, in 1983, that was quite a opportunity. I, I went there and, oh my gosh, um, you, you know, uh, it, was, um, it was really an interesting uh, situation. And of course, at that time, uh, they didn't have any access to it. This is the first time that they had seen um, uh, an arthroscope and there wasn't any equipment like that at all. So this really was the introduction of arthroscopy to China. And uh, this was in Guangzhou. And um, we, uh, we took about, uh, I think there were 13 or 14 units, um, uh, arthroscopy units that, that we actually left in China. 
And, um, you know, when you do this, you go and talk to them. And we did uh, many cases, um, probably 30 or 40 cases uh, that they had lined up for us. And, um, and they were quite amazed at what, um, well, what we were able to see and, uh, and how it all happened. But, you know, you just don't know the, the difficulty is, is that uh, China at the time had a very hierarchical uh, situation, you know, where it was just the senior surgeons would um, decide who's going to do what and when and all of this sort of thing. And so um, it was a, a little different culturally than what I was used to, for sure. But at any rate, you, you don't know how it's going to uh, be affected. And actually, that was in 1983. And, and just about three months ago, I got a letter from Guangzhou from the people at uh, Guangzhou, and they sent me a picture of us in 1983 and said, thank you for teaching my teachers. So, I mean, yeah. it took 40 years to find out. <laughs> 40 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you, you never know, you know, you, yeah. you don't know whether you just uh, drop these off and they never used them, but obviously they do. But I, but I know how important uh, international education has been to you and international involvement even at the arthroscopy journal where you encouraged international submissions. And that was very successful. And even uh, having uh, the arthroscopy journal become an official publication for Isikos. Uh, those were great initiatives to get the word out all around the world and to involve people from all around the world. And I know you'd made many trips overseas had many visitors from overseas. Right. And, you know, you have the idea, gosh, we're really advanced in this country and, you know, and you're going to go over there and show them all this new high tech technology. And what you do is you go over there and invariably you find out that, you know, well, in this particular kind of the one of the things I that is strong in my mind is that I went to India and I showed them uh, about the uh, patellofemoral ligament and uh, re the reconstruction with all of that, you know? And so we had collected a whole group of patients and I was gonna show them how good that they did. And, um, and so uh, I went over there and, and uh, then they said, well, let us show you how we did 250 of these, you know, and, and we didn't use any anchors at all. And this is how we did it <laughs> because they couldn't afford it. The, the patients over there have to pay for them themselves. And they said they didn't have the money to do it. So this is how we did it. And I was amazed that their results were just as good, you know, and uh, it's, um, and, and, and that's true. Um, as soon as you think that, oh gosh, these people are primitive, there are very smart people everywhere, even if they don't have as many tools. I'm sure you've found the same thing. Absolutely. No question about it. Well, Gary, I think uh, we're, we need to uh, 
wrap this up, but what I want to do is to have you tell our audience uh, one surprising fact that they may not know about you. Um, and perhaps even as it relates to uh, your perception of on, on seeing things on the arthroscopic uh, monitors. <laughs> That's a leading question, I realize. <laughs> it's a very leading question. Well, I, I didn't know this, uh, but it is, uh, it's a very interesting fact. Um, and as I was going along in, in doing arthroscopy, um, I recognize that there are some people that have a hard time with it and uh, other people that have much less difficulty with it. And so that there was, there was a real difference. And, and I, I didn't understand at all. And then I, I went and, uh, and I was having some trouble with some uh, cataracts in my eyes. And uh, so I had this uh, very complete exam. And the guy at the end of the um, at the end of this thing, he says, uh, Dr. Paling, do you know that you have absolutely no depth perception? And I said, no, I didn't. And I always wondered why when I went to the movies when I was a kid and they were, they were these 3D movies and they gave you those special glasses. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any difference. <laughs> you know, I couldn't see any difference at all. And, and I said, there must be something wrong with me. But the fact of the matter is, is that, that uh, for me, depth perception is, um, is, I have to get it from the relationship of things that are around, around whatever I'm looking at. And I don't actually have any depth perception, but that makes me look at life just the way everybody else looks at a TV screen. So a TV screen is no different than the way I look at life. Now, uh, there are some people that are very, and I think this has to do with the difficulty of doing arthroscopy. If you're very dependent on, 3D dimensions, your your mind and your body and just the way it works, um, you're going to have a hard time with arthroscopy. On the other hand, you'll probably make a very good microsurgeon. I look through a binocular microscope and I just really struggle. There's no way I'm ever going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's because I don't have that real fine depth perception under a 3D microscope. So that makes it difficult for one aspect and makes it much easier for another aspect. Yeah. But thanks for asking. Yeah. Well, you were <laughs> able to translate two dimensions into three dimensions, so good right. for you. So, uh, well, Gary, thank you for this wonderful interview. Um, thank you for all your contributions to sports medicine and to arthroscopic surgery and to orthopedics in general. And thank you to our audience for listening to uh, this episode of Giants in Orthopedic Sports Medicine.